What's up, y'all? It's your boy Toby D from Faith Football Fans, and I'm at it again with my new Falcons family, J.R. Clark from Falcon Eye View. And the draft now, ladies and gentlemen, is over. It's in the books. Now, the Falcons got about six picks, and it's kind of interesting how they got the six picks because they didn't go all the way through round seven. But we're going to chop it up and break it all down as much as we can and talk about what we think about the players. And I'm going to start with you, J.R. Clark, with the first pick on Thursday night. You know, the funny part about uh, the first pick, during, you know, my my pre-draft, you know, like, like the lead-up to the draft, I barely even gave this guy a look because I was like, there's no way Tack McKinley's going to be there when we pick. So I didn't even bother. You know, I was more focused on the guys who I thought were going to be there towards the end of the first round. And then you had that run on wide receivers early that pushed a lot of the defensive guys down the board some. So when the Falcons made that move up, at first I was like, okay, they're going to get Forrest Lamp. And when they pulled the trigger and got Tack McKinley, man, me and my homeboy were, were sitting there in my living room. And you talk about, like, you know, jumps for joy. I think we scared my little baby. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first started looking in the tag, I really wasn't interested in this guy. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you, straight off the rip. Um, now, you know, I talk about the explosion number, and he had a pretty decent one. Um, but I, I just really wasn't feeling him from the first initial video that I watched. But just like with TD, TJ uh, Watt, I went back and watched some more, more film on him on uh, Draft Breakdown. And to all the fans out there, if you're looking for video to watch um, of good cutouts and clips and stuff like that for us, because we don't have access like the coaches and stuff to, to watch these guys, go to Draft Breakdown, and you can find just about any player you want to watch. And that's what I was using. And I went back and watched some more stuff, especially after the Falcons draft. The man, and he fits perfectly. I mean, I, I can't even lie, he fits perfectly. I, I would have to totally, totally agree with you on that. You know, when, when, when we first picked him, you know, I looked at my, you know, my buddy and I was like, you know, I, I made the connection with, you know, Jeff Ulbrich, our linebackers coach, you know, used to be the DC at, at UCLA. Right. right. So, you know, I'm not sure if he coached, you know, um, TAC or not, but you would think that he still have connections with that coaching staff you know, to at least get some more inside information. And then, you know, you pair that with the, you know, the fact that the dude come down the ramp with a picture of his grandmother was, you know, something I had, I don't think I'd ever seen before. And the amount of fire and emotion that that guy showed in the first 30 seconds of being picked, if he brings half that to the field, we've got a good running mate for Big Beasley. He's bringing it. He's bringing it, man. This, this is this is naturally him all the time. And and this is one of the things that I did notice about him at the combine. Um, he's a very excited, let's go type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's almost one of them type of players where you know, like with a with a little kid that sees something, and he wants to hurry up and get, and you got to say, hold on a second now. Right. You know. Uh, he's he's one of those types of guys, and I'm sure they're going to have to dial him back a little bit. Even he admitted as much um, during his press conference um, that he's got to be able to corral those emotions a little bit more. 
uh, and and harness it on the field. And uh, I, I see him as doing that, man. I think this guy, man, like I said, man, he has a high motor. I mean, him and Vic together, man, they, they're going to wreak some havoc, man. A quarterback is not going to want to see them on Sunday. Oh, no, no. They're just not going to want to see him. You know, you, you, my, uh, Mayock, because I, I, I watched the, the NFL Network. So, I did, too. Uh, okay, good. Uh, some people watch ESPN and, and whatever, so, but I watched the NFL Network. I mean, even, even Mayock said, you know, right out the gate, you better watch out in, in sub packages. Right. Between, you know, between him and, and Beasley. And then you add in with what we've already done in, in the offseason with, you know, Don Terry Poe and, and Crawford. Yeah. Dan Quinn's definitely got some, some toys to play with now as far as that defensive line goes. Yeah. And, and now we, we got to throw this out there for most people that probably don't know it. There is some concerns, not among Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, but the torn labrum issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy played with that torn labrum issue for about two years. Right. And he yeah. did the, the – The bench press. Like, yeah, the bench press. Yeah, 24 so, reps to be right. exact. Right. <laughs> and and if and the fans will remember, Beasley played his rookie year with, with labrum issues. Right, right. So it's not like it's something that the, that the Falcons, you know, coaching staff and medical staff isn't – you know, familiar with, you know, and, and as far as dealing with a pass rusher with that type of an issue. Right. So I, I, I was a little, uh, initially I was a little like miffed that we, you know, gave up a third round. That mm-hmm. was like the only thing that was, that was kind of sour. And I was like, man, don't really want to give up a third round. But then when they traded down in the second round and picked up a, a third and all, and all, and the three fifths, I was like, Okay, well, that kind of you know balances out, and makes up for it. So, man, um, that was smart, man. Very smart. That was I, but that was big. That was big time, man. I got I got to give it to Thomas Dimitrov and Scott Piola them for that, man. Especially, um, especially in this year's draft, that was deep at so many positions that that we would naturally want to take a look at anyway, such as your right. linebacker and tight end. And, and the only the only thing that it wasn't deep at was uh, O-lineman. Right. You know, so, and you could tell. Yeah, you could, you could easily tell because, what, only one O-lineman got took in the first round? They don't ever Yeah, happen. yeah, and that was at the end. And he probably could have won the second round. Ryan um, Ramsey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have won in the sack. You know, but you leave it up to New Orleans Saints – to do what they do, and and that's to be um, dumbfounded <laughs> as an organization that they are. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm Christian, but I, I just they 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 just baffle me, man. I'm but that good. that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast. We don't even want to go there. Oh, no. uh, but the 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 other thing about Tacky is is he's probably going to miss a little bit of time um, because. Unfortunately, you know those college rules with those finals and all of that stuff and graduation. Um, he's going to miss a little bit of time. But the good news is the scheme that they ran at UCLA with Jim Moore is similar to what the Falcons run here. Um, we know that Jim Moore and Dan Quinn are very close. They know each other very well. Right. Uh, so he's he's not – only thing really he's going to have to really learn is the defensive – verbiage or whatnot right. right but he pretty much is going to be running similar stuff and and also you gotta you gotta factor in 
that he doesn't necessarily have to like okay Vic kind of had to come in and be the man in a sense right because right? when we drafted Vic we didn't have a pass rusher right so Vic kind of had to be the man right this dude you know Tack doesn't have to come in and be the man so if for the first like you know five to six weeks or five to six games or whatever he's used as a situational pass rusher then giving him time to to get acclimated that's not going to hurt us you know, we're in a position – the organization is in a position that, as a Falcons fan, I have never seen. You know, we have almost a complete roster going into the draft anyway. So, almost all these picks, there's no pressure for them to be on the field from day one. Right. So, you know, now the coaching staff has the luxury of, of letting these guys get in, you know, quote-unquote, when they feel like they're ready. You know, I think we got extremely lucky last year, you know, with uh, getting as many starters as we got. You know, that normally doesn't happen. You know, so doing as good a job as they did last year makes it even easier this year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I would definitely have to agree 100% on that, man. And uh, I tell you now, Dan Quinn and Tom Dimitrov have kept the same tradition um, that they have the, the previous two years, and they've drafted, once again, two defensive players back-to-back. Um, mm-hmm. Now, albeit this time around, it was interesting because they didn't have to draft this next player that I want to get to. Um, in the second round, they was able to move back and give the Buffalo Bills a chance to jump up in their spot, which was interesting, by the way, being that Sean McDermott is the coach over there, mm-hmm. uh, jumps over the um, – Panthers to take alignment and then they come back and take an offensive alignment. Interesting. Right now, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but this next player, man, and uh, another tradition of Dan Quinn, this is the third player that they've taken out of LSU that's a defensive player. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they took Jalen Collins in 2015, right behind Vic Beasley mm-hmm. in the second round. Then they come back in the second round, they took Deion Jones, linebacker, and now they take this guy, Duke Riley. Yep. Who is essentially uh, uh, almost a Deion Jones clone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Another, another somewhat undersized as far as the the weight goes, but, you know, another fast sideline to sideline, mm-hmm. you know, which is really actually becoming the modern-day linebacker. You know, there's – it, it's, it ain't going to be too much longer, maybe another year or two, before they're going to quit labeling these 230, 240 guys as undersized. Right. I mean, because, you know, with the way the NFL is going now, with obviously the more pass-happy, spreading people out, things like that, you've you got to react to that. And the reaction to that is faster, you know, quicker, smaller, you know, linebackers who can tackle. You know, and that's what – you know, that's what, you know, Deion Jones is. That's what Duke Riley is. You know, there's these there's these fast, you know, sideline to sideline, you know, type players. And, right. I, you know, initially, because it was a couple of days before the draft where his name started kind of popping up. And, you know, I did a little bit of looking into him, not much. But, you know, of course, when we drafted him, then I went and watched, uh, as you stated earlier, the draft breakdown, which is an amazing tool. You know, as far as just YouTube videos, and I uh, highly recommend anybody watching those. 
Um, but, you know, started watching a few games of the draft breakdown of this guy. And this dude's a player. Oh, man. This dude is All a day. player. You know, All day. Uh, you know, you talk about now you're, you're able to, A, if Deion Jones, for whatever reason, gets hurt and has to miss a game, you're not losing production. You're, you've got, uh, you know, at minimum, an extremely good backup. And at maximum, you have the ability of putting three extremely fast linebackers on the field at one time. Ooh. Uh. You know, with, with Devondre Campbell, <laughs> Deion Jones, and, you know, it was almost like it was almost like a full-on reaction to the, you know, James White in the Super Bowl and then the Panthers drafting Christian McCaffrey. I was like, yeah. all right, you're going to draft McCaffrey, we're going to draft another guy who can track him down. Man, boy, I tell you, I, I, it's a beautiful thing, man. And I, I'm gonna tell you, I treat, I tweeted this last night. I mean, doesn't this just make the Dante Poe sign and look that much, much better? Oh yeah. You, you sitting here and you got Devondre Campbell, you got Deion Jones, and now you add Duke Riley. You talking about? So many tackles for loss in the backfield, just blowing up plays, man. Just shooting straight up all them gaps because and when they hide behind Dante Poe, you're not going to be able to see all those guys coming hmm. and blowing up the run play. Now, now also, if, if you can envision, if you want to envision, now imagine a, a double-A gap blitz with Deion Jones and Duke Riley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Screaming through the middle. Most definitely. You know, I mean, and that was something that they started doing, you know, towards, you know, you know, midway through the season, started sending Deion Jones on those A-gap blitzes. Yeah. Yeah, well, they had to because they still weren't really getting the pressure that they initially would have liked. So Dan had to be creative with them blitz packages. And I hope uh, he continues to be creative. Right. You know, just because you end up, you know, just because you got, you know, possibly – you know, a potential, you know, bookend with Vic Beasley. I know in his own scheme, you want to send just four. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Because if you can get home with just four, you know, or at least create pressure on the quarterback and make him throw faster, you know, given, you know, not giving him the time to dissect the zone, you know, I know that I understand that that's the concept. But if you can still be creative and throw in – a couple, you know, blitzes here and there, you know, that can be extremely effective. Right. I, I do agree. I do agree, man. But, you know, um, like we've been talking about draft breakdown, a, a lot of the Falcons fans, if you've not watched film on Duke Riley, I highly urge you to go watch the Ole Miss game. Mm -hmm. um, he, he wreaked havoc in that game just all night long on Chad Kelly and everybody else. Um, that was in his way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and if you want to go ahead and watch the, the Alabama game, too. He didn't yeah. have no stop yeah. against them boys either. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. – And, buddy, okay, did you see the, the tweet of the Saints fan losing his mind when we picked Duke Riley? Oh, man, you that read my mind. My you read my night. mind. Because I was about to say that same thing, and it was hilarious, man. Made my night. Talking but about he, he was right, though. Oh, yeah. Of course he was. 
I mean, needing needing as much help on defense as they needed, and then they're gonna take Alvin Kamara. Right, but not not only that, you allowed the Falcons to once again go into your backyard and take another player from out of there. And not only that, this player already teamed up with Deion Jones before Deion Jones came to the Falcons. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and now you allow them to have a reunion. And he goes on to say that the Saints will never beat us again for allowing that to happen. Exactly. I mean, Sean Payton gets so caught up on his offense, you know, that he just completely and utterly whiffs on the defense. I mean, yeah, you they picked a cornerback, a good cornerback in the first round, but he picked a good cornerback that has hamstring issues. You know, th- that dude's hamstring rolls up like a party favor. You know, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they make those goofy choices. Dude, there was pass rush still there, man. Yes, there was. Derek Barnett did not go until the 14th overall pick to the Eagles. Yeah. Jonathan Allen did not go to the 19th overall pick to the Redskins, bro. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to take the cornerback. I understand you're going to do that. But, dude, this, this draft was deep with that. Yes, very much so. It was very much deep with cornerbacks. And then you wait. To take Trey Henderson, I believe in the in the in the third round, mm-hmm. or either it was somewhere in there in the third, the third round, I believe, uh, which is where he was projected to go. But still, that was just you could have had a better pass rusher than him. Now I like him; he was a, one of the players that I looked at. Trey Henderson from Florida Atlantic. Yeah, um, he was, Trey Henderson. Hey, I looked at him as well. He reminded me a lot of. Uh, like a, like a better version of Croy Beerman. Right. You know, very much just a, a effort motor guy, you know, which, which is great, you know, except for that he went to the Saints. Now I don't wish him any whatsoever <laughs> now. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. You, you took a corner. And, and don't get me wrong, they desperately needed corners. But you took a corner when there was way better players that could have helped your, your team they're available, especially in the pass rush department. But that's cool, though. I mean, oh, hey, they, what they not, wanted to do, I'm hey, hey, go for it. You know, go for it. I'm not um, upset. So, so how do you feel about – because a lot of people thought that the Falcons were going to take a guard in the first round, and apparently the Falcons did not feel the same way, nor did they feel like those guards were as of much value as some of the players they apparently had above them. Um, i.e. Tech mm-hmm. McKinley. Um, they they go in the fourth round and they pick up um, Sean Harlow. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to thinking about that after, you know, after the first round because I was like, all right, well, what are they going to do next, right? And I kept – things kept popping back up in my head. It was like something that Vaughn McClure tweeted out. I think he, I think he tweeted it out. Um, how the Falcons weren't as nearly interested in drafting a guard as the fans and the media were as interested in drafting a guard. Right. And also, you know, Dan Quinn made the statement. You know, at the, I think at the towards the end of the season or after the after the season ended, you know that you know Switzer Wes Switzer was actually you know progressing very well. Mm-hmm. So now that I look back on it, I, I saw, you know, there were signs 
there that said, you know, maybe they wasn't going to take a guard, you know, a high anyway. And as we previously stated, this wasn't a very strong class for offensive linemen. Right. So either uh, – I'm glad to see that they, they didn't reach for somebody that they didn't necessarily believe in. You know, just because the media and people like me and you were like, oh, they got to take a guard, you know, because we're reading everything else that's on the internet saying that they have to right. take a guard. Doesn't mean that they thought that they had to take a guard. And what little bit I've watched of this dude that they picked up in the uh, fourth round, I, he looks promising. He Do looks the like, move. Do yeah, the move. He, yeah, he looks like a good run-blocking guard, which, you know, we need. Yeah. So, I'm I'm happy to let him battle it out with with Schwitzer and um, what's the dude that we picked up from Indiana? Hugh, Hugh Thornton. Thornton. I keep want to say Thompson for some. And reason. Ben Garland. Now oh. now look at what the Falcons just did though, because you would have to think that the guy that wins that battle, he's going to play very good most of this season. Oh yeah. Because he just earned a tough spot to get. Exactly. And then that old statement, you know. The, the cliched statement that, that we love so much, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Right. So here in the next year or two, probably next year, they're probably going to let Andy, Andy Levitri walk because dude's going to be commanding way too much money. And he's like, getting older now. Right, exactly. So, you know, whoever, if this guy, the fourth round pick, if he don't win the battle initially, well, maybe, you know, a year of battling with teammates, then he could step over in, in the Levitri spot, mm-hmm. or vice versa. You can, you know, you know, whoever ends up losing out of that battle, you know, can just slide over into the left guard, and already be familiar with the scheme and everything else. So no, I'm I'm definitely not upset by it. By no means am I upset that they waited till the fourth round to take a guard. But it's just like you said, though. None of these players are going to have to be pressed into immediate starting roles because you were able to pretty much take care of that in the last draft. Exactly. Um, but getting to our next thing, if this doesn't exemplify brotherhood, I don't know what does. I don't think under De- I don't think under Dimitrov we've ever seen them take three players in one round. We've seen them take two. Yeah, that was interesting. I kept waiting on them to like – package up and move back into the fourth or do something else. Cause I've, I've, like you said, I've just never seen them take three, three players in one round before. So that was extremely interesting today. So, you know, those players, those three players are going to have a, probably a bigger, um, stronger bond because they all came off the board in the same round. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the first player, a cornerback, which is a very intriguing one. Um, DeMonte uh, Casey. Mm-hmm. Now, um, shortly after he was uh, drafted, uh, it was either Vaughn or somebody tweeted out that the Falcons were looking at him at, as, you know, a nickel corner or a safety. Right. So I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to let this dude and Brian Poole kind of decide who's going to be the nickel corner and who's going to be the backup safety to Rico. Right. Now, you know what's interesting? I'm glad you mentioned Rico because this guy is the same similar size build as Rico was that was also drafted in the fifth round in 2014 under Mike Smith. Right. Which was converted into a safety. 
um, which also shows me that the Falcons got someone that they pretty much have an idea of how to coach because of Rico Allen being a uh, model of sorts. Right. This this dude seems to be almost more of a ball magnet oh, man. of Rico Allen. I think he has something like 17 picks. In two seasons. Yeah, in two seasons. That's nuts. Yeah. That is absolutely nuts. So I mean, The ball loves him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if if he's got, you know, if, if you could throw that whole mix of, you know, Brian Poole, Ricardo Allen, and uh, Casey, if you throw them all in there together and let it – basically let's see where the dust settles, I, I think you're going to come out ahead. Once again, what do you see? Competition, Competition. at every level, at its finest. <laughs> like and like and not the, and not the BS competition that you always heard about with Mike Smith. Right. Like Mike Smith, he talked a game that he didn't play. You know, he always was like, "Oh yeah, we got you know competition, comp-. dude." If you weren't a first rounder, you wouldn't sniff in the field for a year or two at least. Exactly. No, not with Quinn. Quinn's like, no, no, let's just go ahead and battle and see who's the best. You know, so I'm I'm all for that. Now, what's what's your opinion on this running back we took? Now that Brian was, Hill, yeah, that was a little bit of a shocker to me. There was a lot. There was starting to be some fire uh, underneath that bridge <laughs> <laughs> um, about Brian Hill. Uh, the Falcons did bring him in, and uh, I was not shocked about that pick. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you who he reminds me of, and I know people are not going to agree um, just from my amateur scouting as uh, Alfred Morris, okay. um, who was drafted in 2012 by the Redskins, who just so happens to be under Kyle Shanahan then. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy ran a 4-5-4, Brian Hill that is, and I think Alfred Morris turned in a 4-6-7, but didn't look like a 4 6 a four uh six seven forty speed because of that zone blocking scheme. Right, right. Um, this is a guy that, to me, he's not going to wow you uh, with a whole lot of elusiveness, but his effort of being able to still get yards after contact is what really gets my attention. See, I wish I could remember who tweeted it out. And I'm going I'm to quickly try to see if I can't pull it back up. I, I highly doubt it because this was hours ago. But shortly after he got picked, somebody tweeted something out about, you know, the Falcons saying that they wanted him as like a a fullback almost. Yeah, Dan Quinn said that, that he he could play that. Um, he has the, the build because he's 219-6-1. So mm-hmm. he, he has the build – and capabilities to play that on third downs and um in passing situations. Okay, all right, yeah. Because when I watched this tape, I was like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'll go ahead and admit, you know, I, I can't really, um, can't really, you know, say I can spot a fullback in a sense of like, you know, converting somebody. Yeah. But uh, I, but I, from what I was watching. You know, off a draft breakdown, I was like, I don't know. Because I watched him try to pass protect a few times, and he didn't seem to do it very well. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm sure that's something that they could teach as long as he's willing. Well, now, I, I, now, now, 
I saw him do some pass protection, and, and I actually honestly didn't think it was too bad. But, of course, you're looking at the talent level mm-hmm. uh, as well. But because he did show a willingness to be able to do it, and he was picking up certain blitzes um, and certain guys that were trying to shoot through the gap. So it shows that he does have the capability um, of doing it. And uh, I think he's going to be fine, in my opinion, uh, once uh, the new running backs coach, I can't remember his name right now, gets a hold of him um, mm. to, to, you know, to really work with him and help him polish his game up as far as that aspect. But once again, uh, here's a player that really doesn't have to be thrust into an immediate situation but right. still can be used situationally depending on what the plays are that are being called at that time. Very true. Now that that's and I also wonder if this guy is not a also like an insurance policy cuz I know mm-hmm. they're going to try to re-sign Devonte. They've made that pretty much clear. Right. That they're going to try to re-sign Devonte Freeman uh this summer. So I'm wondering if if Coleman continues to ball out. Now you can't pay two guys top money. Right, somebody's not, gonna have to go. Not, exactly, not when, you know, not when they're essentially splitting carries. So if the trajectory keeps going the way it's going, where Devontae's the lead, and you know Coleman's the kind of change of pace, but still really good, I can see another team offering him a lot of money. And then in that case, then you have this dude Brian Hill, you know, ready to step in and and take a bigger role. Right. And so, what was interesting about that, they did say that they want to work on uh his his route running and uh pass catching. Oh well, yeah. I so mean, that's kind of interesting that they, you know, because look at what they did with Tevin Coleman, that, man. Yeah, this is a I mean, guy that normally never caught the ball in college. Yep. That was something I was just fixing to bring up. I mean, you know, look at they look what they did with Coleman. His first year, dude couldn't catch a cold. His second year, Dude's catching anything that comes his way. Yeah. So. And I'm going to tell you, the other thing I like about Brian Hill is he has ball security. And isn't that something that Dan Quinn preaches heavily, ball security? Oh, yeah. He's about that ball. And I think he's on – they say he's only fumbled once in his I career. Think, I think so. I think so. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I watched, uh, you know, a few of his – a little bit of his tape uh, today, which I'm going to dive into more. Uh, you know, as the off season progresses, um, you know, try to do like a little video for, for pretty much you know, every one of our picks. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, it, w- what I saw from him, other than like I said, a few times where, you know, he didn't hold up too well against you know a rusher coming around the edge or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. but, but as long as – what I was trying to say before, not, not that I thought he was bad at it, as long as he's willing. Right. You can't teach a willingness to block. Yeah, you know? yeah. So as long as he's willing, you can improve his technique. So that much is not – I'm not concerned about, as long as he's a willing blocker. So um, – but, no, I'm interested to see what kind of role he carves out. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm I'm glad you mentioned something about fullback. This brings us to our last guy drafted in the fifth round, um, the tight end from Drake, uh, Eric Salbert. Right. Uh, what you think about him? Um. Okay, so I saw a lot of like conflicting things pop up. People are like, "Oh, he's you know he's a 
you know, a, a pass catching tight end. And then a lot of people were like, well, you had drop problems. Then I went back and watched the draft breakdown from the Shrine game, and Mayock even said, you know, he watched five games, and in five games he dropped five balls. Like, you know, one a game. But then I watched some video, and he's making, like, crazy athletic catches. So is it on him or is it on the quarterback? It's hard to tell at the level of competition that he was playing. You know, but what I did see from him is – a very much a a Jordan Reed kind of you know more of a pass catching tight end than a right. inline tight end, which which is fine because you have your blocking tight end for the next three years in Levine Toilolo. So mm-hmm. if if anybody thought we were going to go out and get another you know blocking inline tight end, I don't know why you would think that. We just paid this dude twelve million dollars to essentially block. Right. So, now I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm about, my bad. No, no, it's all good. So I'm just saying, from what I saw, I'm encouraged by the catches that I did see him making and the, the route running ability that he does have. You know, I, I'm game for that. So that that's I was I was encouraged by by seeing, you know, that level of production. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna actually go with a future Hall of Famer. And I know some people are probably gonna slap me for this comparison. <laughs> but uh I truly think this guy has the makings of Antonio Gates, man. I really do. Oh man, I really do, man. If you look at how he gets out on his routes quickly, which allows Matt Ryan to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Right. Uh if he can just shape them hands up because he he can he can go and get the ball at the point of attack. Uh, he's definitely a guy that looks like he can run a 30-yard route and you can get the ball to him fast. Uh, now, most of the routes I've seen him run was mainly, you know, 20, 25, you know, yard out routes or whatnot. But the dude looks pretty good. If he can just polish that up, I, I just know Wade Harmon is really going to get this guy together, man, because Wade Harmon has done a beautiful job with the guys that he had mm-hmm. um, with getting Hooper ready. Um, we know Tammy was a vet, so it was no thing for him. But when you're getting guys like Hooper ready, um, TJ, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Talavea. Yeah, Talavea. DJ Talavea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then getting guys like Joshua Perkins ready. I mean, they made contributions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's another thing. You know, it's almost like, you know, the the mantra of this draft was, People are going to shake their head when I say it, but I, I find it encouraging. Was like this was a depth draft, right? This was we need to add quality depth players with the potential of them being greater players down the line. And I agree. I agree. And and, and that's the way I when I when I first saw this guy looked at a couple. Like I said, I hadn't really had a chance to dive deep into it yet. Looked at a couple draft breakdowns, and that was immediately what I thought. It was like okay. You got Hooper in place as the pass catching tight end and blocking tight end. You got Tololo in place as the blocking tight end. You know, Perkins started coming on a little late, you know, in the season as a pass catcher. And he also has familiarity familiarity with Sarkeesian because that was right. that was his coach in college. So, you know, you got three guys right there, right? Then you got backups in DJ Talavea and now this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric Sherbert. So, 
With that being said, that that's a strong tight end room right there. And I've got no problem with if Sherbert comes in and and gets the better of Josh Perkins, so be it. You know, if, yeah. You know, so I'm I'm game, like you said, I'm game for this whole draft has been what I've been what I've been wanting us to be able to do for years now. Yeah, I agree. Now the other thing that I found interesting though, uh if you listen to any of uh Thomas Dimitrov uh clips on when he was talking about why he and Dan Quinn selected a certain player. Another interesting thing about uh Eric Salbert was that they're looking at him as a move tight end, which means he can play a halfback or a fullback role right. and just move all over the place, which may also explain why they didn't throw um, match Buffalo Bills with Patrick DeMarco because they're probably going to use the tight end to service more of those roles. Well, this is something that, that I stated shortly after we hired Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian is, is more familiar with and more – he likes the three tight end set. Mm-hmm. So in a three tight end set, you need a pass catching tight end, you need a blocking tight end, and then you need a move tight end. Right. That's what, that's what made – when they did it, that's what made the two tight end set for – the Patriots so effective is that Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski were both extremely good at catching the ball and extremely good at blocking. So mm-hmm. you didn't know which one was going out to catch the ball and which one was staying in the block. So that gave them a lot of flexibility. So if we can create kind of the same dynamic on offense with a three tight end set, you know, not knowing who's going to block, who's going to stay in to, to, you know, pass protect and who's going out to, to catch the damn ball, then, you know, that, that adds just yet another wrinkle. Which yeah. Always, yeah. always good. I got no problems with that. And since we run 13 personnel anyway, which is the three tight end set, um, Kyle Shanahan ran that. So that's going to be very intriguing for Sarkeesian because it's already in the playbook. Now mm-hmm. he will probably, um, add on to it and expand it that package a little bit more with some other things in there that he, you know, knows of that's probably in the playbook Mm -hmm. to uh, make that package even more dangerous with the 13 personnel. But uh, we killed people when we did run that. Yeah, exactly. With the, now what, what they did by picking this guy out of Drake is, is gave that, that flexibility even more so with with the packages that they run, whether it be uh, the 12 personnel, whether it be 13 personnel, and and it allows them to swap people in and out to not allow teams to key in on anybody. Now, before we go too far with that, I, I, I feel the need because some people don't know that stuff with personnel groupings like we do. Uh, and if you are a fan that's listening and you don't really understand what that means, basically all it is in simple terms is you're counting running backs first and then your tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you count the other receivers, um, basically totaling out of five total eligible receivers on the field. And that's basically what that is. So when we're saying 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, or 13 personnel, uh, one running back and three tight ends, that's what we're talking about. So. You may already know that because I know all our Falcons fans are, are football savvy. 
uh, engineers in this game. So, you know, not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but if you didn't know that, that's what we're talking about. There you go. That's good to bring up because sometimes I get rolling and not not think about that somebody may not understand what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Hey, I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife sometimes. And she'd be looking at me like, what? Are you speaking English? <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, I promise you it's English. <laughs> well, I get that all the time too, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, all in all, I, I think, you know, like, okay, if, if last year's draft was like, you know, uh, an A, you know, like like they knocked that one out of the park. But I think this this year's draft was you know uh, in the park home run. Man, it was a good draft. It was a draft that we needed, you know, to get more guys in there that you know quantify what Dan Quinn wants on the field. So th- this was a good quality draft. I'm very very pleased with how this draft turned out. Man, I, I I'm with you, man. I feel like we nailed it again. And, and I tweeted this tonight. I said, I, I've never felt this way before, but somehow I just get the feeling that it's got to be unfair for Dan Quinn and Tom Dimitrov to do this. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I've never seen this before <laughs> as, as a Falcon fan. And then you got, you know, you had that on top of the undrafted free agents that's, that were in the process. Oh, man. Right now. Oh, wow. Oh, you wow. Know? And, and that list is starting to look pretty too, oh man. Oh man, it's starting to look real nice. You know, I've been keeping an eye on it. I'll, I'll be, I'll be anxious to see the official list, but uh, I'm already seeing some interesting names come up. They got that um, the defensive end out of South Carolina. What was that? Guy? Mm-hmm. English Darius yeah, English. Yeah, Darius English. Uh-huh. That name caught my eye. And then uh, um, the cornerback Taylor Reynolds. Yep, and then the free safety out of uh, Penn or Pitt, the Darius Washington or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Darian Washington. That's it. And, and, and I'm gonna tell you what's beautiful about this. I don't, um, you know, we talked about Walter football and they list with the um, pre-draft list or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they worked out a lot of those players, so they got a head start on getting to learn some of those players before they um, signed them to uh, undraft the free agent contracts. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that I think the Falcons do just as good, if not better, than anybody else. Their pre-draft visits, they don't focus necessarily on your, you know, your top, you know, rated players. They focus a lot on the the players that may go undrafted or late round kind of guys and get a chance to know them a little bit better and get that, like you said, that leg up on when the draft ends, you know, go ahead and get these guys in. I mean – you know, Dimitrov's been doing that for years now, and then Dan Quinn has just come in and enhanced it even more. Right. You know, because for, you know, what you had, you had Joppolo Bartu, Paul Warlow, uh, Ryan Schrader, and Brian Poole or just, you know, a few of the names that I could think of right off the top of my head mm-hmm. that were undrafted guys that come in and, and made some serious contributions. Right, right. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, see, because you know us. We can talk all day and night about football. <laughs> God, that's what we do. But we, we we got to break up out of here because it, it might be getting close to, you know, our time to cap mm-hmm. off anyway because, uh, you know, it was an exciting, exciting three days. But yeah. I, I think it's time to call it a night and just let it go with this, man. And, uh, hey, everybody subscribe, like, share. Go to J.R. Clark's 
Falcon Eye View. Check out my page on Facebook Ball Fans. And every now and then, like I said, me and my new family uh, in the Falcons, uh, we will come on and get together and talk about the Falcons uh, and, and hope that you subscribe to, you know, if you're liking what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with that. That's, 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 you know, that's the way for y'all to let us know that you're enjoying it, you know. Exactly. And, and by y'all liking and sharing and subscribing gives us the, the energy and the mojo to keep doing it. Yep. And then, by the way, thanks for all those that did the last two videos me and J.R. Clark did. Um, I mean, man, putting it up to almost 2,000 on one of them and, and over almost 1,000 on the other one. If not, probably already at it. So, oh, yeah. man. I must respect and thank y'all, man, because you don't have to be listening to us when there's so many more uh, experts out there that's exactly. doing what we do. No, it was it definitely could feel the love, you know, off of those last two videos. It's been much, much appreciated. It definitely got got me pumped to keep doing it for sure. Yeah, and uh, with that being said, hey, let's call it. All right, we out. <laughs>